everybody, and welcome back to PhilCast. I am your host, Phil Walsh, and you are listening to episode number eight of this ongoing podcast series dedicated to, you guessed it, the movies. I talk about it all on this show, the good, the not so good, everything in between, the movies that make you say, oh my God, what the hell did I just watch? Or, as I often do on this show, say, oh my God, this was the greatest thing in the world. I can't wait to go watch it again. Cough, cough, the Batman. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I did my obligatory, <laughs> I did my obligatory Batman plug for this show. Got it out of my system. We'll return to the subject of the Cape Crusader later on. But, um, my goodness. I did watch a movie recently, and it, it, it made me say just that, oh my god, this is amazing. I can't wait to watch it again. And the movie is X. The letter X. Um, you know, read into the double meanings uh, of, of that, if you will, for those who have seen it. But um, uh, I, I saw it, and amazing, funny, gory, terrifying, suspenseful, smart, emotional. I mean, it, the movie checked all the boxes. A and the fact that it is a slasher film, I mean, that that's just... That's just gravy. I mean, like that just makes it all the more enjoyable. Uh, so, spoiler alert right now, I loved it. <laughs> all right? But before I, I, I dive into it, I will just say, if you haven't had a chance to see this movie, I encourage you to go do so. Uh, so, right now, if you haven't uh, had a chance to see it and you don't want to be spoiled about uh, the film and plot itself, unplug step away from the podcast and go see the movie X because I'm, I often don't say, you know, because I know when it comes to slasher and horror movies, people's tastes can vary. And, and a lot of, a lot of folks aren't into those, into those films. I would say go see this anyway, because it's not just a splatter film. It is a smart, it is a smart, thrilling engaging, engrossing movie, and yes, it is original. And that's something I want to touch on uh, before, uh, before we, we, I dive into, the, dive into my thoughts. But, uh, uh, all right, I put out my disclaimer, so if you're listening now, it, you know, you're doing so at your choice. But uh, first off, again, thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in for what is now the eighth episode in this series. Really, really appreciate your support and feedback and engagement. This is a passion project for me, and the fact that there has been such a warm and, and enthusiastic response just makes it all the more worthwhile. So thank you for tuning in every two weeks and for sharing this podcast out there. I think if you're listening to it, it's because you enjoy movies as well, and you don't mind listening to someone go on and on, as I often do, about movies in general. All right, so now I've done my, my opening bit, and let me begin with this movie. First off, it is important and it is imperative that movies like X not only be made, because so much of what is produced today are IP projects, superhero films, and again, I'm not knocking them, I'm just sort of saying that is what 
is, is largely put out there on the big screen. But it is important and it is imperative that not only these movies like the movie X be made, but, but, but take a movie like Everything and Everywhere all at once. Like You need to have a difference so it isn't just all superhero flicks or all big IP projects. Movies like X are important to the cinematic canon because A, they're not these big budget extravaganzas. Uh, largely, they're, they're these small, sort of you know, middle-of-the-road uh, budget films. And frankly, most of them, if not all of them, are just damn good. So it's important to, A, see that they get made. But more important than that, it's imperative that we, the audience, show up and support them. Because it then says to producers and it says to studios that people will show up for these original creations, these this original content. It's in, again, there's a place for movies like No Way Home, but there's also uh, a place, and frankly a needed place, for movies like X, like Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Northman, you know, even The Adam Project. There, there's, a, there's a need for these original films to thrive in the cinematic landscape. All right, so I've gotten I've gotten that out of my system. Uh, let me dive into into this movie because I tried to keep my expectations somewhat tempered because often I mean I think we all probably can relate to this. Whenever you you set your expectations so high, it's rare to to have them have them met, and, and especially when it comes to movies. Uh, so often, they our our hopes and and dreams for a film can be smashed into a million pieces, and you're left collecting them on the floor at the end of the movie, uh, and nobody likes that. So when it came to this film, I tried to to temper my expectations because the most uh, the most recent uh, slasher flick that I I had really built up expectation for was Halloween Kills. And, and while I don't think Halloween Kills is a, is a travesty, like, like many people have, have, have uh, called it out to be, it, it was a disappointment, especially considering the 2018 film was a smart, uh, superb take that really revived not only the Halloween franchise, but the slasher genre at large. So when it came to X, I figured, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll I'll go in and and kind of keep my uh, expectations uh, in check because uh, who knows who knows this could you know could be a great film or it could be uh, just another film that you know you move along and that's it. Well, this movie was not only good, it was damn good. I mean, like I am such a fan of stylized filmmaking movies that that are that are set you know in the past there is something to be said when you are going to tell a story and you are going to set it 40 or 30 years in the past it really creates a fun vibe for a movie and it makes at least for me the audience member all that more engaged in the story because it's a stylistic choice to set 
the movie, you know, in a, in a time period. This movie is set, I think, in 1979. And that's a, that's a, that's a perfect choice. That's a decision that is made to say, okay, we're not going to set this in the present day. We're going to go back in time when movies like this, movies of this genre, these slasher flicks, were, were just coming onto the scene. And so it has that vibe. So even though it was shot in the last year or so, it has the look and feel of something in the 70s or early 80s. I was getting vibes from Texas Chainsaw Massacre to Halloween, even a little bit of, of Psycho. I mean, it was just, it was so, the, the details, the look, the, the, I mean, put aside the, the costuming and, and, and sort of the, the, the makeup to make it appear as, okay, this is the late 70s. It just looked, the way it was shot, the way the camera angles uh, were set, I felt as though we were watching something, again, like a throwback to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that just, that just elevates the movie. So I was, already, I was already engaged with this movie from about like two minutes in because the acting is top-notch. Like sometimes in a horror flick, particularly a slasher, you get run-of-the-mill performances. And that's, you know, that's no fault of the actor. But, but oftentimes in a slasher, particularly even ones that were made in that, in that era, much of the uh, much of the uh, performance is, is based around running and screaming, and and sort of the the acting is irrelevant because more or less the the performer is is there to be uh, cannon fodder, if you will, for the psycho or the serial killer or whoever is chasing them around with the knife, uh, with the knife, and that was not the case with this movie. I felt everybody who was in it, from Jenna Ortega. Uh, to Mia Goth, Brittany Snow, everybody brought their their game and, and weren't just you know weren't just you know sort of phoning in a performance. Uh, you believed in these characters. You believed in their in their stories, especially uh, the character of Maxine. I mean, she's our she's our central our, our central character. She is the the final girl, if 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 I can say that. And right away. Just from her her little her few lines of dialogue, you get a sense of who this of girl is. That she's someone who's running from her past. That wants to be someone who's more than just uh, you know her given situation. She wants to be better. She wants to have a life outside of appearing in a porno film. I mean, that's like just little 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 snippets like that create believable characters that then you, the audience can identify with and, and be engaged with as they go on this journey. And, and boy, what a journey they go on. So the plot of the film, just to recap it, you have a bunch of, of, of cast and crew members, all 20-somethings, give or take, who are gathering in the state of Texas to go and shoot a pornographic movie. <laughs> And and one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, crew members, he wants to make a a very uh, kind of high class uh, uh, porno, and and you know, kind of almost make it make it uh, you know a, a piece of cinema, and so uh, you know that that's sort of his uh, his, his mo. So they they go and they and they rent a um, 
uh, a boarding house on this uh, property uh, way, way, way like kind of like out in the wilderness in Texas. Again, picture Texas Chainsaw Massacre because, I mean, it, it's like right there. It's the same setting, desolate highways, you know, swamps and, 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 and um, fields. I mean, just you know, creepy farmhouses. I mean, the look, oh, chef's kiss. It was just, it was just perfect. Um, so they, uh, the crew shows up and they're renting this, this boarding house, uh, uh, on the property adjacent to these, uh, this elderly couple. And, and right off the bat, you, you know, just from the look, uh, of, of the couple and, and their demeanor, their interactions with the cast and crew that there is going to be trouble ahead. But of course they don't know that. Uh, that's what makes it all the more ingenious. So, by the by, they go and and set up and uh, get ready to shoot uh, the porno. Now, of course, they haven't told the owners what they're doing. They're keeping it to themselves uh, because, I mean, no one wants to talk about what they're doing. But they go ahead and shoot the porno. And what triggers off the events in the movie is the old woman, uh, uh, the wife, uh, whose name is Pearl, she witnesses the the cast and crew filming the movie, and this sets off whatever demons are going on inside her soul, and she's jealous, she's angry, she is resentful, she's she's curious, she's she's envious about these kids, and she hates them for it. She hates their youth. She hates the fact that she looks like this dried out sack of potatoes. I mean, it's just, she, you know, it, it, like as, as terrifying as the elderly couple are, because I mean, again, spoiler alert, they're the, they're the, uh, the two, uh, the killers in the movie. The movie does a job of humanizing them in such a way that you, you almost feel, you feel a, a sense of, of loss and, and, pathos for this couple because at its core they are truly envious of these kids they have their their lives ahead of them they're young they're good looking you know they, they, their bodies look great they can have sex and i mean it's just it, it, you really get down into the psychology of it and i think that was a smart move to to Offer us a, a kind of a a lens to see the uh, the, the the perspective of this this couple because oftentimes in these movies the the killer or killers are just are just shadowy figures they're they're off uh, in the wilderness or they're off in the in, in the darkness and they come in they kill and that's the end of it now that works very rarely like Halloween is I think the only exception where you can have a shadowy mysterious figure like Michael Myers and not need to know what drives and motivates them but more often than not it does help in terms of the story and for just let's say characterization to understand why somebody is doing something and frankly that can make it all the more terrifying and so when you have this this elderly couple who are resentful and envious and jealous and bitter at the world 
and at these these young people, it it, it really creates a, a sense both of, of danger for uh, for the young cast and crew, but also an understanding and an idea of okay, you know, this is what motivates these these two very sick and demented evil people, and again, th there's different moments, and again, the the the, the the, much of the plot uh, is driven from Pearl and, and, and her sort of watching, kind of a voyeuristic uh, take, watching the, the, the cast and crew shoot the porno. And it, first off, the fact that, that, that she is played by Mia Goth, it, just again, chef's, chef's kiss, because the prosthetics, the makeup, it, it's so believable. I did not realize until the very end when once the credits rolled, that she was this that that Maxine and Pearl played by Mia Goth one and the same. It, it just it it added such a uh, uh, such a level uh, to this already uh, in, incredible film, and then to have you know the characters be played by the same actress just gave it such a a, a, a twisted sense. Of irony that just worked for this story, because of course Pearl is jealous of Maxine. She she's 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 envious of her the most, and therefore she hates her the most. And and she says to her husband, "Oh, this one is something special about her. There's something about her that that brings back memories of of her youth and her time as a dancer, and kind of makes her long for when she you know could have gone on to be something else or or be someone else." And Therefore, this, that's really the real animosity and the drive. And there was, I mean, there's so many great scenes and moments in the movie, and creepy, creepy moments, but, like, one in particular is when um, uh, Maxine is uh, asleep in bed, and her boyfriend, of course, has gone off, and he's been killed. I mean, sidebar, the, the, the kills in this movie, the splatter, I mean, it's, it, it, it's gory, and and it, it is it, it is in your face at times, but it's never it's never over the top. Like it, it's it's always done in the service of the story, and it's never just a kind of a you should call it a cheap kill <laughs> in a slasher flick. It, it, there's there's always a a point to what's going on, and 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 Pearl is just this maniac running around, you know, sticking switchblades <laughs> into people's throats and gutting them up and you know, stabbing people with pitchforks. I mean, it's just terrifying and, and, and creepy all at the same time. But um, back, back to the scene, um, uh, back to the scene uh, that I was mentioning. So Pearl has, has had a busy night, and she has bumped everybody off. And, and you know, at the end, we're like, you know, down to a handful of people uh, left. And so she, she goes in, to the bedroom where where Maxine is asleep, and and she watches her, and then ends up crawling into bed with with her. And like when you're watching it, you're saying, "Dear God, this is this is so this is so disturbing," but yet it, it's it, it, it's one of those things. It's like a you know it's like a car wreck. You know, sometimes you just, you can't you know look away from what's happening, and then Maxine discovers. That she's you know in the same bed with with Pearl and and her reaction is ours. It, it it's it's terrifying. It's frightening and and 
and and her reaction just sort of like running into the bathroom and trying to 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 you know wipe everything off with water and soap i mean it was it, it was so twisted but it was it was so funny and i mean there's just so many little moments throughout the film like that there's another point where um uh, the character uh, of uh, Bobby Lynn played by Brittany Snow is is out looking for Pearl because you know it's they don't know what's going on because everyone sort of gets killed off one by one and and nobody knows you know kind of what's what's going on so Bobby Lynn finds Pearl and thinks she's you know having an episode basically and and doesn't know what's going on and tries to you know, help her and, 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 and get her back to the house. And it's just this funny little react interaction that the two have while on, on this, on this dock by the pond. And of course there's an alligator that's teased early on in the movie. And Pearl, of course, you know, she, she does what Pearl does best. She shoves poor Bobby into the pond and the gator comes, the alligator comes up and just, Oh, it's, it's terrifying. And it's like, again, Nothing is played for like okay. We just have to kill somebody off and then move on to the next to the next piece. There, there, there's there's interaction and again there's there's the story, and and story often is lost or or it's it's kind of way way down the list in these types of films. And Ty West really puts an emphasis on on this on the story but but also the themes that are at play here which is about youth and aging and it's interesting that pearl and her husband are able to 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 get every single one uh, of the, uh, of the cast and crew except maxine at the end and and, and uh, uh pearl's husband he succumbs to a heart attack, which is hinted at throughout the movie. Again, a lot of great foreshadowing happens in this in this movie. But he ultimately, his body betrays him, and he and he and he goes out that way. But at the very end, Maxine is the last one standing, and she is able to literally and figuratively outlive Pearl. And there is that that interesting symmetry of of the movie coming to a close that way and it 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 brings to it to an end Maxine's arc as a character where she is constantly looking for something looking for a better life looking for a better situation she thinks being an actress is going to give her her life meaning and and purpose and brilliantly throughout the movie there are these clips of a preacher uh, going on uh, and on, uh, and it's played on, on TV screens in both a convenience store and at the elderly couple's uh, house. And he's just ranting and going on, and Pearl, uh, not Pearl, um, Maxine mentions a few different times throughout the movie about how you know she wants to have a better life. This is not the life that she deserves, or I, I'm not going to live this certain life, I'm not going to accept it. And what is revealed at the very end, after uh, after Maxine has managed to escape Pearl, and, and she, she runs her over in, in a terrific fashion uh, and, and, and speeds off into the sunrise, 
it's revealed that this preacher is in fact Maxine's father and that he has been going on at length about how his daughter has, has turned to sin and abandoned the family and they're hoping that she'll find find peace and, and, and goodness again and, and come home. And it really shines a light on on this character of, of Maxine and how she she does finally get this freedom that she has so longed for from the beginning of the movie. She is finally able to to drive off and 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 do whatever it is she wants to do now. I think there's that there's a, a real cathartic moment at the end where she not only gets rid of <laughs> she gets rid of Pearl by running her over with the truck, but she is able to outlast her, and that that, that is a a theme that that is explored: the idea of death, of death always approaching, and pearl pearl being this kind of symbol of death, both figuratively and literally, and then ultimately being unable to 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 prevent her own death and 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 succumbing to death while the young live on. And it's 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 I mean beautiful, beautiful themes uh, that, that are being explored here. And again, in the context of a slasher flick. That's why, this is why I love slasher films, because, I mean, this is nothing new, but you can weave such interesting commentary and themes that in any other, in any other context can sometimes be boring or, or dry or repetitive. But something about doing a slasher or a horror movie and, and, Offering a social commentary, it's just brilliant. It's brilliant. Again, I'm not the first person to say that. I'm not the last person to say that. But it's it's great when you have something like this movie that feels like it's from another time. And this movie, to me, felt like it could have been made in the mid to late 70s. It's, it has that old but new feel to it. And it's it's welcomed and it's refreshing. I love I love when you can go to a movie, and again you not you're not quite sure what you're getting into, and then you watch it and it's like damn this this was amazing, and that's how I felt with this particular film. I would highly recommend it. I can't wait to watch it again. The fact that there's already a prequel in the can ready to go is even more exciting. I mean, br- bring on this cinematic universe. I mean, no, I mean, it's just just. This, it's not often that these movies hit with such a beat, and and this movie just was on point, scene after scene after scene, right up until the very end. Four stars. I mean, it was just, just fantastic, absolutely fantastic, and as I said at the beginning, these are the kind of movies that are that are so critical and so important. Uh, today, because everything is huge IP projects, or or there's the whole ongoing battle of the streaming platforms, to have these kind of movies be supported and made and and responded to in an enthusiastic way, it's all the better for cinema. Because you know, as much as I love a great uh, movie like say No Way Home or or Star Wars or something. I don't want to see that dominate the the cinematic landscape. There needs to be smaller movies. There needs to be independent movies. Now, I mean, people could say, "Well, you know, we 
you know, audiences don't show up for them. But I, I think if you make them big enough in terms of sort of that appeal to the general audience. I mean, this this was not one of these movies where, it, to me, it felt like it had a, 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 you know, kind of a niche mark. I mean, okay, if you don't like slasher films, maybe, maybe, you know, fine. But I, I think generally this movie was, this movie is broad enough a, a, to have an appeal to a, to a large enough audience. And, uh, yeah, I watched it actually with my sister, who's not much of a, uh, of a slasher, uh, a slasher fan, she just doesn't care for that this that type of stuff, and and she loved it. So, you know, take that you know as as a small sample, a small piece of evidence that you know movies like this can have a a, a wide appeal with with audience members who may not even like a slasher film, but but are are going to be engaged by a good story. For me, that's what matters: a damn good story, and this was. A damn good story, and and to and to to quote the uh, the sheriff at the end of the movie, he, he says it perfectly because once the police arrive at the farmhouse and they're looking and seeing all the carnage, they find the 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 camera for the for the porno, and the cops are saying to themselves, "Oh, what do you think this is all about? What do you think this means?" And the sheriff looks at it, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it here, but he looks at the camera case and he says, looks like some effed up horror movie. And what a perfect way to end the movie X, but also what a perfect summary of this movie, because it is an effed up horror movie in every sense of the word, and I mean that so, so lovingly. This movie is it amazing? It's amazing. There's just enough said. <laughs> it's a fun, smart, scary, gory, emotional slasher film that, thank God, was made and thank God people are responding to. Because, as I said at the beginning of this show, it is important and it is imperative that these kinds of movies, and I'm not just saying uh, slasher flicks, but but these smaller non-IP films be responded to and, and be promoted because it ultimately helps the cinematic landscape. It helps the movie-going experience at large because if movies like this are supported and embraced, it says to producers, it says to studios that, okay, Audiences will show up for these kinds of movies. I'm glad a movie like this is, exists. I can't wait to see the prequel. I want to see more films, not just like this, but you know, smaller, independent, low-budget films that have heart, that have story, that have meaning. And to kind of tie it all back with, uh, with, with the slasher comment, it does seem like we are in a renaissance when it comes to horror and slasher movies. It feels like it's back in the heydays of the of the 70s and 80s, and damn it, I'm all for that. So well done with this film. I give it four stars. I can't wait to go see it again. And I I recommend uh, I recommend it to every to everyone who enjoys a slasher, but also to those who just in who enjoy a suspenseful, smart story. And that's what this film really is all about at its core.
Uh, so with that, uh, that concludes my review and thoughts on the movie X. <laughs> X indeed marks the spot there. Uh, lastly, just a little bit of news to share with you all. As I teased a few weeks back on one of the shows about a potential spinoff from this podcast, and I can confirm that there is a spinoff in the works that is going to be dedicated entirely to Batman. Now, for those of you who have been listening from the beginning, you know that Batman is my favorite comic book hero. He is my favorite superhero, and any chance, like now, that I can talk about the Cape Crusader, I'm going to do it. But based on the response to all of the Batman-themed shows that I've done on this podcast and the response, I figured it was time to give Batman a separate platform where I can focus entirely on that character rather than trying to find different moments to incorporate it into this into this particular podcast. So there is going to be a separate Batman-themed podcast that will cover everything from Adam West Bright Knight all the way to Robert Pattinson's The Batman. I'm going to review every Batman, every live-action Batman movie, and as things develop with the two HBO spinoffs and the inevitable Batman sequel, I figured the perfect opportunity for uh, breaking news and developments to share. So it's going to be kind of an all-of-the-above uh, podcast, but with a with a real emphasis on Batman at the movies, covering his cinematic journey from from like I said, from Adam West all the way to the present day with Robert Pattinson. And this is uh, for for those of you Batman aficionados, you'll you'll appreciate this. The podcast is going to be called the Monarch Theater. So for all of you uh, who who know the reference and, and know its place in Batman lore, uh, this one is for you. Uh, so look for that in the coming weeks. Uh, this show, of course, will continue. I will be back in two weeks. And at that point, we'll be returning to a galaxy far, far away. Yes, it's going to be a Star Wars-themed episode on the next show. Following that one, two weeks later, going to give you my review and thoughts on everything, everywhere, all at once. A brief tease <laughs> to, to close out. I loved it. Easily one of my favorite movies of the year. And and yes, one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once ties right into my point with what I've been saying about the movie X. It is so important that these movies exist and that they be responded to. And thank God audiences are showing up did show up and are continuing to show up for these kind of movies because it's it's healthy and important for the future of cinema. So, all right, that's my plug for today. Look for those two shows uh, in the coming in the coming weeks, and look for the update on the Monarch Theater uh, sometime as well. With that, I will close today's show and again say thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Follow me on Twitter at PhilCastMovies, same handle for Instagram. Until next time, friends, be well, stay healthy, and I will see you at the movies. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.